one of the questions we've always brought up is, do you think you could survive longer in the water with a great white shark or out in the open field with a lion? In the water? Hell, <laughs> I thought for sure you'd say in, with the with the lion. No, I was gonna, the lion. What am I gonna do with the lion? <laughs> what you gonna do with a shark? And you gotta swim. Samuel cuts it back. Ohio State wins. I put my heart in up. Let's go, man. That is as good as it gets. I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Really on the field, the touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. I don't think so. No way. Kentucky wins. And welcome back to the Peace of Mind podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us again, as always. This is episode 16. We're we're cranking right along. Um, as you know, I'm I'm your co-host, AJ. I got uh, our executive producer, Justice, with me today. Uh, we're a man short, and that's because our our third loyal companion, uh, Kevin Bear Grills, is um, out exploring nature in Canada uh, for two weeks, um, living it up on some of that uh, that summertime that the teachers get. So we're without him this week, but uh, he sends his well wishes. He'll be back and ready to roll uh, when he gets back in town. But we decided to give y'all a show while he was away. Justice, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, it is a big week for me. So uh here in t- a couple days, actually, I celebrate my fifth wedding anniversary. Ah, as congratulations. Well, yeah, thank you. As well as another big occasion for me, which is uh, on Saturday, the Champions League final for Tottenham Hotspur. So I was going <laughs> to say, those don't fall on the same day again, do they? <laughs> no, I might be divorced at this point, if so. But uh, even though I have an awesome week coming up, I do think we all wish we were Kevin Jackson right now in in Canada, fishing, drinking beer, playing Catan, living the life. <laughs> you know, the one thing I respect about Kevin is he's still a good guy. So there's not a lot of phone service up there. And so I don't have to look at all his amazing pictures and how much fun he's having while he's there. Now, when he comes back, we'll have to look at him. But he's back with us then, so it's not really rubbing it in our face. That's right. And it's probably, what is this? I wonder how many illustrious vacations he's going to have this summer. I'm going to go on, I'm going to say he's going to go on at least like three vacations this summer. (laughs) This is number one. And I say there's probably two more. There'll probably be like a, um, I say like him and his wife will do a trip and then there'll be like a almost back to school trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's my guess. Football's about to start. (laughs) <laughs> but so it makes you, you feel any better i can't really complain because i am going out of town next week so it's like okay like i at least get to see some beach water at least once here relatively so, soon i think we're gonna take our vacation this summer in july it'll be the first vacation we've had for more than like two or three days in four or five years so we're super excited same, same here like uh I don't think like outside of like a couple trips to Chicago for about three or four days. I don't know if me and my wife have had 
um, a long extended vacation with each other. So we're going to take one this summer and that should be, that should be a blast and hopefully one of many. Um, but yeah, that's going to be, we're going to try to do that hopefully sometime this summer. Yeah. Peace of mind podcast got all the travels this summer. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, we got, we got to get them cranked out, man. Once, uh, once August gets rolling around, you know, we're, we're full heads down, ready to, to give you all what you need for the, the upcoming season. So, Trying to get them out of the way now. That's right. But it is. So as AJ just mentioned, it is the off season. So we have kind of a smorgasbord of topics to cover today. Um, there's not necessarily one main segment. Um, we have a lot of little things and happening. So we'll just kind of see how it goes and go from there. Yeah, we're there's not much of a topic and I don't foresee us even staying on the topics we have listed. So this should be a blast for everybody. We don't know where it's going. Y'all don't know where it's going. Uh, yeah, it should be a blast. So we'll get to it. Uh, just the first thing I wanted to bring up was um, the NCAA is looking into paying players for their likeness, uh, which has really spun off the uh, the discussion of will NC if this goes into place, will NCAA football come back for EA mm-hmm. Sports? Mm. Um, I know you very much like myself are a huge fan of NCAA. Um, I was one of the, yeah. the few people that have received a payout from when they went away with the game. So wow, I did not know that. That is yeah. a fact check. I did not. How much did you get? Uh, like nineteen hundred. Nineteen. It was somewhere between like nineteen and twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, I no, thought you no. were going to say like would, nineteen dollars. Like, oh no, 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 it was a good, it was a good amount of money. I I'll say this: at the time, it was like the the money was uh, very needed because we had just moved into our house. But looking back on it now, like I don't know if you could put a price tag on it. And it's like if NCAA comes back within the next two three years. Then absolutely, uh, I'm glad that I got the 19 or however much money. If NCAA never comes back again, I would have forfeited that money to have the game back. Oh, so true, so true. But so a lot of the a lot of the discussion is if if they find a way to compensate players for their likeness um, and allow people to be paid upon that, then Basically, they can offset why the game's not being created anymore, and they can start to create the game again. Um, and I guess my question is, maybe you know this and you're more researched on this, because I'm ignorant on like how the inner workings of that would be if you built that out. So, Because my brain first goes to, okay, the way you get around that in per se is literally give the players names in the game, which is always the staple of NCAA sports games. It said it's quarterback number two or, you know, running back number 20. You make that where you have their actual names, but so then you have a payout for that. So how do you determine even though what that payout is, are you giving the, you know, third string defensive end at air force, the same amount of money as the star quarterback at Ohio state? Like, how do you, determine what likeness means in the context of a video game is something I don't know how it would work out. Yeah. So I, I would assume it's going to be a flat rate. Um, it's going to be something 
very much like um and and it's kind of weird because they only have a select number they don't do an entire roster i think they may only do 75 to 80 players per team right so there's gonna be some people that don't make it like even though i played every game i wasn't on the first two years so i mean it just it's gonna fall out that way um the issue they were running into on player likeness is you may have um you know qb2 for tennessee and it's like oh qb2 could be anybody yeah but uh if he's 6'4 and he's light skinned and you know he's from a certain part of like a certain state or something then you're starting to narrow it down it's like oh okay that's garitano but like you know what i'm saying so sure. oh absolutely well if they went ahead and did the paying they i'm assuming they would get rid of the player number 2 kind of deal they would just go with the names I, I would assume so i think well and and the thing about that is it that was always like a um an an up an upload thing. So I remember oh, when I was roster. younger, yeah, you could buy a memory card that had the rosters preloaded on it. And mm-hmm. like, even now, like people will go in there and update the roster so that, you know, um, quarterback 13, at Alabama, they'll update it now so that it's, um, Tua and he's left-handed and he's Hawaiian sure. and, and he's, decent speed, good arm, or stuff like that. Like, they'll update all that now and just keep uploading it. So I would assume that it'll probably be like that moving forward just because it's probably, like, taking time away from the designers and people creating the actual game. So it's like, okay, if I don't have to research and put in every player's name, then I'll just call it 2B, QB2 and, and let it go. And then, That's you know. True. But I would say it's probably going to be something of a, um, it's going to be something of a a flat rate because while I'm sure um, QB 13 at Alabama means more than fullback 42 at TCU, you can't put up, you can't necessarily put a price tag on who means more because fullback 42 from TCU could be from like just generational wealth and a huge family. And they're all looking forward to playing with giving the fullback 30 carries a game or something like that. Like you just can't, you can't quantify that. So it's absolutely, I would say that you're probably the fairest route to go around. It would be a flat rate. Let's just pay them a flat rate a, because it's easiest, but B it's like as a player, it's hard to push back on that. Cause the opposite of a flat rate is nothing. And why, like, I wouldn't argue for nothing. So I'll just take the flat rate. Well, and the players, I think an underrated aspect of this, and you, I didn't play college football, but I've talked to many college football players in my life. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves that game. Like, nobody doesn't like that game just in general for the most part. Oh, that game's like, it, like that game's amazing. Poetic. Yeah, and I mean, you weren't like the quarterback for Kentucky, like, and you love that game. And I'm sure, like, every person I talk to, whether they're the star player on the team or the a walk on, like, they love playing it. Like, it's fun. You create your even if you're not on the game, like, you create yourself and you put yourself on the roster where you want to be. Or it, I don't know. It's 
it's one of those things uh, for myself that it's like, this is America. Like everyone like universally loves that game. Yeah. And, and like for it go ahead, should my be bad. there. No, it should. It, well, that was finishing, but it should be there. Like that's the simple point. Well, even for me, like I like I get the most joy out of the online friend or online dynasties. Like just being able to link up with five, ten of my friends and like, hey, this is the this is what we're gonna do. Everybody has to take a two star team. Um, you pick that two star team and you play the season and you build your dynasty that way. So it's oh, like, can you imagine a, a West end middle school football coaching staff online dynasty? That's what I'm saying. Like it it's a blast. Crazy. And like, for me, like back in the, like that was dope because like a lot of, I mean, I think of it right now, like Kansas would be one of my top teams that I would look at probably doing. Cause I know they're going to be two or less stars. They've got, phenomenal jersey uh options and less miles is coaching so like i'm gonna have a little <laughs> bit more of a recruiting edge when i'm using him so it's like yeah like they would 100 percent be like a school that i might look into using and and just just stuff like that so you, you make it difficult like i remember like the first time we had one and this was probably 2013 like when the game when the last version had released and um this was before like we had like real jobs and stuff so you could dedicate playing like i mean we were probably five six seasons deep in this uh yeah. this online dynasty but like i mean everybody just pretty much there was eight of us and we went two to uh two to a conference so it was like two went into the sec two went to the pac 12 and then like we just spread around like Spread around like that, and you played it. It's like I picked Oregon because they had jerseys. Like, or it, I always go with Oregon, or I always go with Arizona State because they got options. And it's like, okay, if I can pick a team with options, like shit, I'll do that. And then, hell, I'll build my team the way I want it. That's right. Yeah. But it, oh man. So I think I think that'll be pretty cool. I also, like, I'm not sure if you played this a lot, but. um the basketball version of the NCAA game was great too. Like I played that a lot growing up. So it's like the chances of potentially having that back would be awesome too. And I don't know like how familiar you are with the the situation, but Ed, Ed O'Bannon is one of the lead people that brought up this case. Uh, He used to play basketball at UCLA. He's the one, he's one of the lead figures that actually brought this case against the NCAA, which was one of the deciding factors in in taking the game away. So it's like, which is wild to think that a guy that played basketball was the one that really brought up the case because I would say the majority of Americans probably played and looked for the football game more than the basketball game. But I just think that's really interesting. But I'm, um, yeah. I need this to happen. Oh, 100%. And – not to go on a whole side rail here because I want to stay true to the subject, but the NCAA for anybody who wasn't really around big time division one college sports like football or basketball, um, more or less is just the fun police in my opinion. Oh, it's awful. Like there, it like the stories you hear, it's one of those things they're watered down. If anything, like where you have guys getting, you know, 
sanctioned for getting somebody just a fan paying six dollars for their subway like i've seen that happen yeah and it it's like at some point it's to the point where something like okay they can be normal human people that are athletes and are high priority can be normal humans live as normal humans more or less in an already unjust system where it's taking advantage of people who can make more money on the open market Mm-hmm. And they can at least make money off their own likeness, i.e. this kind of legislation that's being moved. Um, it just seems like common sense and fairness. And yes, there's complications. And yes, there's all this nuance. Because again, it's going to change the sport in many ways. If that does pass, um, it's going to change a lot of things and against the status, status quo. But what it is ultimately is fair. and more or less, AJ, and you could probably test this much better than I can, it's often more fair to the middle to lower class black man. Like, I mean, and that's just being on, not to jump in a race conversation, but generally speaking, that's what's happening. And it's just really frustrating that it's like, you know, taking this long to even get a bill in motion, let alone even potentially having one passed. Yeah, and... and um, to your point, like there, the the NCAA has gotten over for many of years, and I think where people fail to like realize and understand is, regardless of whatever, if it ever happens or when it ever happens, the piece of the portion that these student athletes will get will seem like a decent amount to people that aren't getting that money as athletes. But it is nowhere near the amount of money they create for those universities. So it's just like, I mean, just in simpler terms, like the NCAA makes over a billion dollars every year for the uh, NCAA March Madness tournament. They also file as a nonprofit. So like just in basic terms, <laughs> you like you can see how messed up this is. Uh, yeah, I'd be okay with like, if the players, if schools didn't even lose money and I know schools, I think are kind of crooked in and of itself, but just let's pretend they're not. If you just gave all the players, you divvied out their money that's going to the NCAA and just abolish the NCAA. I'm okay with that. Like it'd be a lot of money. Like so much money. It's unbelievable. What do we need the NCAA for? Oh, it's so frustrating. I mean, I'm not being an anarchist truly but it's overall the whole thing's really frustrating and in my when i basically my first initial comment when you read that opening statement about like ncaa has proposed this or not the ncaa that there's been a legislation proposed that would give you players opportunity to make money off their likeness Mm -hmm. my first statement would be like the words of lebron james after his first title it's a about damn time. Damn time. <laughs> like it's about time. Like is that like it's so it's such to me it's such a simple win. And it's like there's probably ten other ways the NCAA could make more money, like on the back end, and nobody ever know about it. And it's just like, dude, why not why not give like a crumb on this end to make things easier for you? And then just continue to make boatloads of money on the back end. I mean, 
also, I brought so up. I, no, I I was thinking too. Like this is this is going to be the beginning of um, <laughs> me derailing the uh, the the podcast here. But <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> on another whole different spectrum about talking about money. Did you see where um, uh, Bezos' ex wife is donating half of the money she's getting from the divorce to charity, which is eighteen point five. Bill, Bill, with a B billion dollars. Oh man! So just I don't know if you know this actually. So me and my wife have a great relationship, and we're very just comfortable in our relationship. So we say things all the time that are silly, <laughs> but we I think we might honestly think it could be true. Is that we both have a marital term to where since Jeff. And Mackenzie Bezos got divorced. If the opposite sex wanted to marry one of us, we would do it. Um. And <laughs> we would split the money with our partner kind of deal. <laughs> so like, so I, there's a running joke in my marriage of like, oh, Mackenzie would look like this shirt. <laughs> um, so it's, it's just like, like stupid amounts of money that, it, like people jokingly like, or like say when they win the lottery, like, you know, I couldn't spend this much money. And then there's a, obviously a thing where lottery winners blow out all their money very fast. I think it would be really difficult to spend all of their money. Like, <laughs> oh, I couldn't figure out enough ways to spend it. I'm so glad you asked. Yes, I did the calculations. So we had this discussion because <laughs> <laughs> we had this discussion because, or we the thought came up because my wife was like, I don't know about donating half. And I was like, even if you donated half, you, you never, ever, ever spend like the amount you had left over. Like it just never happened. So I did a little, I did a little, you tried like, like you wrote a thing out. <laughs> no, I just did a little like, um, looking at how much money it would be. So you'd get 18.5, billion dollars is what they'd have left over Mm -hmm. and so let's say and like i was trying to explain to my wife like you'd never spend that money so let's say you take that 18.5 and you say we're gonna keep we like we me and my wife are gonna keep um 3.5 billion right and that's gonna be just your whole 15 generations set for life. So, right. But so with the, with the 15 billion left over, if you put that into some sort of investment fund, it's very probable and generous to say you could draw 5% interest. Like that's, that's, Oh, 5%. Normally they say seven over like a 30 year span. Right. So like just saying 5% is very generous, right? At 5% on 15 billion, that means you're making $750 million a year. I just like to repeat Mm -hmm. that. That means you're making $750 million a year just off 5%. Mind you, we're we're both in agreement that so that's an understatement. Mm-hmm. And so, so now it's basically like I would say in the first year 
very possible if you tried, like if you seriously tried, you could you might be able to blow past seven hundred and fifty million. Like you'd really have to be spending, but it's feasible, right? Even I think I could I could tell you something that I know like it's weird my brain first goes to it, but it still enhances your argument. Because my brain first goes to I want to buy all of my favorite professional sports teams. Yeah. That's where my brain if I've got that kind of money, shoot. Why, so I just what? did some looking Why up. not? I, I looked up t- the Titans net worth or normally is about two billion right now. So again, if you're buying teams, you're gonna pay more than worth. Let's say you pay two and a half billion for the Titans. Tottenham Hotspur net worth is about five billion. So let's say you pay five and a half, six billion. Like you're not even scratching the surface. Like I wanted to buy the Predators. You're not even paying a billion dollars for the Predators. Like I've still got most of my money left. <laughs> nah, you've still got more than half, and it's like I'm surprised Bezos and you're not all and, of professional sports. And those aren't empty purchases. Like they're going to continue to appreciate oh, and make money. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. But so like, and you know, like I always think of like, what's the most extravagant? Like even if I had you know, $18.5 billion. It wouldn't make sense to buy a house on in every country. Like, that's just stupid, right? So, like... You'd never be there. Right. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't matter how much money, like, I'd have. Like, I still wouldn't do just ridiculous things. Now, like, a private jet? Bet your ass I'd have one. Um, a small I, yacht? Like, <laughs> bet your ass I'd have one. But, like, oh, even no, me... No, wrong. A big yacht. But even me, like, you give me the yacht from, like, Big pimping of like a private jet, and I'm still not even scratching the surface of the 3.5 that I kept. So, and then like from there, you could, I mean, there's no way, but I say that to say this $18.5 billion in a divorce is a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> That's a lot I'll of money. This. Hey, Mackenzie Bezos, for all that you want to say about like, her taking a lot of money. Like I think so she's very attractive and has been very attractive for a while. If you just look on Google, Jeff Bezos has not been, (laughs) if you just go back to his Google pictures from like 20 years ago when he opened Amazon as like a bookstore, not like what he looks now. He kind of looks like Jason Statham and, you know, Bruce Willis when he's like bald and sunglasses and ripped. So she saw an investment opportunity and she invested and it paid off to the tune of $18 billion. So good for her. Oh, it, no, no, no. It paid off to $37 billion. She Oh, just, excuse me. <laughs> no. Yeah. She just was like, you know, I'll be nice. I like round numbers. So I probably would have donated like $7 billion. <laughs> Just say that around 30. But even then, like, I, I did want to bring that up. We were talking about money and it just popped in my head. Oh, like, that's like, so good. Yeah, it takes a, it does take a special out. kind of person to say like I I understand like I have wealth beyond means and so I'm going to do something with my money like whatever charity she decides um, to donate this money to it's like it's helping somebody so it's like no that's great to see because you could damn near in world hunger for eighteen billion dollars I mean if with with eighteen and a half billion dollars like if she took one billion, she could pay off all student loans for like the next two hundred years or something, like something crazy. Absolutely, 
But wow, that's just so much money. Yes, and that leads me to um, another episode that we'll have to do, which is uh, discussing what I would do if I ever won the lottery. We won't go into that today, but uh, yeah, I'll be playing the Mega Millions on Friday, so we might all find out at the same time. Who knows? <laughs> um, oh, man. But getting back to the NCAA, um, another uh, story that has come up recently, and we're just, you know, again, there's not a lot going on in college football, so we're jumping around here. But another story that has come up is James Madison. Um plans to sell beer at all their home games starting this fall. Um, read the article and basically it says that they're going to have limited uh, alcohol or beer sales. It will start as just beer. Um, it it could grow into other alcohols, but for now it's going to start as just beer. And right now it will be sold um, from the time the gates open until the end of the third quarter. Um, purchasers will be allowed to have two drinks per transaction and they'll be limited to four total during the game. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how you're going to make sure that I only have four beers a game. Oh, you're absolutely not, but uh, not at all, but it's still a really good move. Go. I'll let you go to your takes first because I have a lot of hot takes on this. No, I, I, I really like the move. I think that a is, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're obviously gonna make more money because people oh, are gonna up. spend more money. So that's cool. Two, like, although, like, I, I made a big fluff about four beers. Like, even then, you got to think. Like, for I know for us, like on seven o'clock games, like we're out tailgating for many of hours before I go into the game. So I'm probably already. Uh, had my fair share of drinks. You're not just drinking Pedialyte, right? And the and the four the four beers in the game, those are just gonna those are gonna tie me over. So like I'm not coming down off of you know into like that kind of like sobriety where you're just like uh, I'm in between drunk and sober like during the third quarter of many Kentucky games where I'm probably stressing about the game, but that beer just kind of ties you over. But I think that. Um, I'm hoping that more universities uh, will go into this. I think like we looked at looked it up. There was a little bit over fifty that are currently doing it. Yeah, and I know. I'm just thinking. Like I know right now that um the only stadium that I've had a beer at is um Louisville. So I've had a beer at Louisville and they've been selling beer for um, a few games now, or I said a few games, a few years now, but that's the only place that I've had um, beer at the game from. Um, a lot of the big 10 schools, very progressive in that from our research in Texas. Yeah. Of course. A lot of, and, and what's wild is like as much for like the sec, not doing it. All those States have, teams that do like Tennessee has Memphis and MTSU like uh, Mm -hmm. Kentucky has Louisville and Western Um, Alabama has UAB Troy South Alabama Georgia has Georgia State like a lot of teams are doing it and I think like I think part of the reason why it's harder on SEC is because 
correct me if I'm wrong here, but most of the stadiums in the SEC are on campus, correct? Actually, yeah, very much so. Got it. And so I think that that's a big hurdle that they're trying to get over versus like, I know Louisville's there. It's not far off campus, but it's not like in the heart of campus. Um, And I know that like um, stadiums that are not necessarily like Like right on campus. Like the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Right. Like you just mentioned earlier. Yeah. But, uh, and even looking at this map here, it's qualifying Louisville as on campus, which I wouldn't necessarily say, but uh, nevertheless, like I do think that's cool for James Madison. I would love to see SEC kind of pick this up. Um, I will say that if the SEC did, it would certainly have to be um, something that you could um, monitor very much like how they're instituting a four beer limit. I don't know how you go about doing that, but sure. it's definitely got to be something that you do because uh, with with football being so important in in that division, like adding alcohol to it only makes it worse. Um, so there's got to be well, a limit. Actually, like, I, I agree with you that in terms of limit, but I do have a, a slight counter to that that I think you would agree if I push back on. So I don't think we – I think we have a lot of common ground on it, but – I do have it like this is a very well thought out argument to me I've had for years because I have a lot of people in my life who are very conservative individuals in both just philosophy, whether they don't drink alcohol because of uh, uh, personal reasons, faith reasons, and or just uh, health reasons. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be respectful to any of those people. And I know you do as well. Um, But I do think even for that mindset, it's a no brainer. In that there's a couple of things here. One, there's the aspect of, and this isn't my number one point of the argument is the main course, but I've been to how many games that I, at the University of Tennessee and elsewhere where people know there's no alcohol in the stadium, so they don't drink responsibly before the game at all because they true. know they're, they're like, okay, I'm going to have to keep this buzz the whole game, which is not rational for a four-hour game (laughs) right and so they drink so much and then in the first quarter they're throwing up all over your feet (laughs) and it's like the okay look like you go out to bars most responsible people even older college students for the most part like know like how to keep a buzz going they don't want to throw up and so they would in theory you would not do those last like six shots right before you walk into the stadium <laughs> in the 90 degree weather in September. And you can, you know, have a couple cold beers during the game, keep it going and have fun. And it's a more enjoyable experience for everyone involved to not have those people involved. I would so definitely say like, that. Yeah. I, I would probably consider not sneaking alcohol into games. If I knew I could buy beer at the games. Now, yeah. I w- now I will say, being the furthest team north in SEC, <laughs> like when it's those November games, oh yeah, I'm bringing something in. Like I'm just not going to stand here cold. But especially like if it's seven o'clock game in November, like it's going to be chilly. It's going to be yeah. lower fifties, forties, and I don't particularly get cold. But like I also don't wear a jacket at all so like 
I may just wear a long sleeve shirt, but if I have bourbon to offset that, well, then like I'll be fine. Like yeah, it's not it's, even it's not even like a it's not even a get hammered kind of thing. It's more so of like I have a buzz that I built up during tailgating. I just want to keep that because like if I go in there and go straight to sober, like I'll get tired, I'll get sleepy, I'll get you know like cold. Yeah, <laughs> so like I just rather keep my buzz. Russians going. survive. In <laughs> Siberia, in any weather, like, and it's not like hot hands. Um. So yeah, it it I won't I won't belabor all the points that I have. It it's really a no brainer. Like it makes money for the university and or potentially you could back to our former discussion inadvertently the players potentially like you're it's generating revenue for something people are already doing. Mm-hmm. And it's a giving, it's not saying it's automatically people are going to make more responsible choices, but it's giving people more opportunity to make responsible choices. Let me ask you and this. We, yeah. What is a fair price for a beer at a college football game? AJ. So this goes against like my, so I often have libertarian tendencies. And so it's like part of me just says whatever the, payer will buy is a I mean, fair price. I, I mean, that's true. That That but is the ultimate true answer. It, it's true, but what I wish people would do would do more of like the, we want, we understand like live attending sports is slowly dying. Even mm-hmm. in the most crazy things like SEC football where attendance is still great, it's only going to get like worse unless we make changes to fan experience like you're at the game. And so one of those things I think would really be able to keep fans in there is a fan knows, Hey, at home, I can have an HD TV experience. I can have friends over. I can have all the commentary and I'm not paying a hundred dollars for alcohol for me and a couple buddies. That's true. And I think if you lowered the price, you could overall over a long period of time, increase fan experience in a positive way and then keep that attendance high, which is a main thing that makes that sport so much fun is those big attendances and the raucous crowds. I will say that in when going to football games or like just events in general, I'm more, I'm more willing to pay a higher price for beer than I normally like. When I go to yeah, the Preds uh, game, like I just know I'm spending nine to eleven dollars for a beer, like, and that's fine because I'm at the game. But like, if I go out to the bar, like after the game, I don't want to pay nine dollars for a beer. Oh, spot on, spot on. I will ask you this though, and if you have more on this, feel free to switch back. But if I were a friend of David Bakhtiari, the left tackle of the Green Bay Packers, I would not be buying him beers at a sporting event that are $10 a pop. That's for sure. No, no. My my man puts them away. And like he, oh, he, like I would fancy myself as like a decent beer chugger. But like I, there's, I wouldn't even attempt to race him in like a beer chug. Like, I would say on a scale of so crazy. like I'm in the middle, more like leaning barely towards Bakhtiari than like closer to Aaron Rodgers. Like, hey, <laughs> like my thing is like 
you're like, I get it. You're Aaron Rodgers, but just go ahead and sell out. Like you're at home. All right. So it's a home game for the Bucks. It's a, what it was a two, two series. So like, it's a pretty important game and you know, the fans and crowds going crazy. Like, just chug it. Like, just go all out. Like, if you spill it on your shirt, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Just sell out to the chug. Because even if you, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin chug it and spill it everywhere, the crowd's going to go ape shit. Oh, absolutely. And, like, that's what your team needs. Like, I don't I don't need, like, a, a nice, clean chug. I just want you to demolish the beer. Oh, absolutely. So, I want to make two quick observations on all this. So, one... I, I feel like if I poured a beer out, like just had a, you know, plastic cup of beer and poured it on the floor, it mm-hmm. would go slower than the pace it went going down David Bakhtiari's throat. It was like sucking it out at a faster rate. It was magical. It was, it was, that, it was very yeah. impressive. <laughs> that was my first observation. My second observation was I would do the Christian Yelich. Which the Christian Yelich in all of this is, I have a beer and I'm going to chug it and sell out. But it's only going to be like maybe three quarters full where it looks just enough full where I chug it down and I look awesome to my home crowd. But in reality, yeah, I'm not doing that much. I, I'm i going full Bakhtiari. Like I'm chugging it. But I, the most impressive thing to me was... He chugged two of those. They put the camera on a Raj and they came back to him and he chugged another one. Now, yeah, three. <laughs> somewhere, I've got to get this air out of my body, whether it's a fart or a burp. <laughs> like, something's got to come out of my body after at least, like, one and a half beer chugs. Because, like, everybody's had, like, that beer bubble after chugging oh, a beer. Absolutely. It's like, that's got to come out somewhere. And so... Like, for him to just demolish three and, like, stand up, like, yep, normal Tuesday for me in Milwaukee. Like, I thought that was dope. I thought, I think he solidified for me going into the 2019 season. I'll save this for a future podcast as the number one left tackle in football. That was the tiebreaker. (laughs) I also say, like, if I'm Aaron Rodgers and that guy's chugging beers, I'm like, you know what? Cool. I know I can roll out to his side. <laughs> now the rest of my offensive line, I'm not certain about. Oh, but like man. for him, I know he's got my back. Like he's batshit crazy and can chug beer. Like I know he's gonna look after me. Is that a requirement of a left tackle? I, you played football way longer than I did, so like you have that. I see that from Bakhtiari. I see Lawan chugging a beer that's coming through a catfish if that somehow makes sense to yeah, someone who that, has not seen the video those, like, those you are wild. That, <laughs> be that kind of crazy in order to play left tackle and be great is that like a requirement i mean it's it's just one of those things of like you got to be crazy in general to play football like hey uh run into a grown man full speed multiple times like it just doesn't seem like something like normal people would do but no i'm a grown man that's not, but that's not that's not the comparison it's not a grown man like me six foot 170 pounds <laughs> it's it's a grown man who's like six three 230 and it's just a solid granite wall <laughs> of muscle like that's not i would not want to do that oh no absolutely not but all down now in sports i hurt the next day 
I don't want to do that like every single play. <laughs> I thought that was that was pretty good. I will say, uh, I I I would have hoped that he gave a better effort on the that chugging. Um, Absolutely, I'm giving myself one and a half of those, and then I'm probably like asking for the jumbotron to take me off. Oh, but AJ, like you're like you you painted the picture very well earlier. If you're in that scenario and you're Aaron Rodgers and you like know in your heart, like you're in your body, I can't finish this beer. Just tip it back and pour it over your face, kind of deal. Anything, you know what I mean? Anything. Just like you're not really drinking it, like again the Stone Cold Steve Austin, but it's the effect. No, if Aaron Rodgers spills that beer on his shirt, he can walk straight to the pro shop or like into the like the team store, and they'll give him. Uh, and the, team shop, the guy next to him could have, would have given him a shirt. No, but I'm saying like somebody from the team store would be like, yeah, we'll give you a Giannis jersey in your in your size, like whatever you need. Yeah, exactly. Like, you would have been fine. So it's like, man, just sell out to it and and do it. But I did think that was I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I from from what some would argue the best quarterback in the league. Um, I need a better effort out of you right there. You let you let Milwaukee down. You should have chugged a beer like a like a grown That's man. Why they lost. Yeah, very very much so. That that was the same effort that they put on the court. <laughs> but we will touch on that later. Um back to a little football here. Um I wrote this story originally because or I brought this story up originally because uh our very own Kevin is um known to bring up Alabama strength of schedule every year when Alabama makes the playoffs and high state does it. And he always loves to bring up that they play the Citadel or somebody just terrible as they're out of conference game versus like a decent team. So uh, reports came out that Alabama will play a three game series with you uh, South Florida in 2023, 24 and 26 um and which is kind of shocking but Bama will go to Tampa the first game of this uh three game set so not only are they doing this but it's it's a it's a road game as well um i do think that's while i still don't think USF is very much of um a competitive team in the likes of competing with Alabama i do think uh, to his point, it's a step in the right direction where you're not playing like these walk in the park teams. Um, mm-hmm. I still think they're going to end up scheduling the Citadel somewhere, but I mean, it's not a oh, bad, it's well, not a bad. Game. Hey, so honestly, 2023, like for example, their schedule set for their non-conference mm-hmm. and Kevin can't talk any crap on this schedule. And I like to talk crap about Alabama because I hate Alabama, but their four out of conference games in 2023 are Central Michigan at home. Not a, I mean, it's still at home, but it's that's a good team, right? Uh, home versus Texas mm. at USF and at home versus Western Kentucky. Like, that's a pretty good slate of games. Yeah. Those are like, those I, are Tennessee would probably be predicted to lose three out of four of those this year. You said Central Michigan, USF, Western, at and- USF. Texas. Texas. So that's at least three bowl teams. As of right now, that's at least three bowl teams. 
Like, that's not and, bad. And in a given year, it could be all four. Right, right. That's not bad at all. I, I know Central Michigan was was bad this year, and I only know that. They were rebuilding, we, though. We played them. But, like, I mean, Western's usually got a decent program. They weren't very good this year, but they usually got a decent program. USF usually has a decent program, um, and, and we Texas. know what Texas is doing. That's not – I mean, that's honestly, like – I mean – if we look at their, if we look at Ohio State's non-conference, I'm pretty sure they played like very similar talent to that this year. So it's like you can start to see the balance there. Yeah, actually, hold the uh, 2023 schedule for Ohio State. The only thing scheduled out of conference is Notre Dame, so that's not super helpful. But I mean, Alabama, like if you just look at their futures, you know going into the distance, like, yeah, it's pretty easy this year, honestly. Duke, New Mexico State, Southern Miss, Western Carolina. Next year, they got USC, Georgia State, Kent State, UT Martin, so one game and then a bunch of cupcakes. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more or less that until 2023. So, I mean, that's kind of the traditional way to go for your power. You schedule one good, like, marquee money out-of-conference game, and then the rest are wins. Well, I mean, and very much so like the argument that I always propose to Kevin is when you're playing arguably the toughest schedule in conference, why would you double down and play a tough out of conference? Like a lot of times and and this particular last season may not necessarily uh depict what that may be for normal years but like um if i know i have to play a top 15 lsu uh top 20 auburn maybe a top 25 mississippi state um maybe a top 25 um, a&m maybe a top 25 arkansas or or old miss maybe one of my cross for sure one of my maybe one of yeah but like Tennessee's their main crossover game, but like you never know who you're pulling off the other side of that. And then I've got to oh, play yeah. probably uh, a top 10 ranked Georgia or some team like that in the SEC championship. It's like, I'm going to get my fair share of tough games. Like, I don't like you're going to know exactly who. And I think every year up to this point now, like we've known who Alabama is. Um, you're not getting very much surprises of who Alabama is. So it's like, it doesn't matter if they're playing, like they don't need to go out and beat um, TCU on, you know, an out of conference game to prove to you that they're a worthy, a worthy team to be in the playoffs. Like they, they show you that throughout the year when they beat teams that are very good, very high ranked in their division. So it's like, yeah, I see why they wouldn't go out and schedule those games. Yeah. I will just we'll we'll end this this topic on these three schools. These are Ohio State's 2019 non-conference opponents: Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, Miami of Ohio. Ah, boy, Florida Atlantic's <laughs> probably. Uh, I mean, that's the Kiffin, Lane but, Kiffins. Yeah. <laughs> They struggled last year too. Uh, uh, man. That's a good one to end on. Kevin hasn't 
cannot talk any trash. On he also no can't hear this. Schedules. He can't hear this for at least another week. So that's true. It'll be all right. <laughs> that's uh, right. So what's uh? Let's see what's next on the list here. Oh, interesting. Uh, I love this item. You go ahead and explain it. I know you brought it up, so you can introduce yeah. it. So I just uh, and rarely do I get just like crazy stats that kind of jump off the page to me, but I thought this one was pretty cool. Um, this season will mark the first time since 2006 that um, all the coaches, all the head coaches in the SEC are back uh, coaching their coaching the same school from the previous year. Um, are you looking at this list? I am. It's the cast from the blind side is what it looks like. I mean, there was some, <laughs> there were some dogs in here. First and foremost, biggest props to the first name on this list and arguably the best coach on this list, Rich Brooks. Oh um, boy. The old Kentucky, the old Kentucky head ball coach that led us to, you know, many of fantastic seasons, but you got him. You got Sylvester Croom, who, oh, sly. if I'm not mistaken, was the first black SEC head coach. It, oh, I think he was, and he wasn't. He was um, one of. Oh, he you was got, the first African American football coach in Southeastern Southeastern Conference. Yep. So you got him. You got Phil Former, who's a legend in his own right. Um, Bobby Johnson, who. Struggled, which is why you don't hear his name very much. <laughs> Got the big dog Urban, who was at Florida, just right. racking up championships. You got Grass Eater, Les Miles. You got Miles. Houston, I'll burn your campus down if you fire me as a head coach, Nut. And if I'm Houston, appropriately named, last named Nut. If I'm correct here, this is when he was at Arkansas, right? Ooh, yeah. Were those McFadden years? Yes. Yep. He wasn't, because so he recruited my boy in high school, uh, Jared Duke, in 2010 at Ole Miss. So it would have been. Yeah, because Ed Orgeron, who's next on here, was at Ole Miss. That's right. You got Coach Rick, who was at Georgia. Coach Shula, who was at. Alabama. Oh, damn. He was at Bama that year. Yeah. Wasn't he? He's at 2006. That's right before. That's right before. Saving got there and changed all of our lives forever. And then you got Spurrier at South Carolina and Tommy, Tommy, Tubby, Tubbyville, Tuberville, Tubby, Tub, Tub at uh, Auburn. So that's wild. Like, I mean, that's a. Was that the heyday? Like one one of the heydays of the conference? Like that kind of list? It'd be close. That'd be a good poll topic to find, like the list of the SEC when, like, there was the best coaching lineup. I mean, that's that's a pretty solid list. Like, I'm just looking here now. Like, Former's got a ring. Urban has a ring. Les has a ring. Uh, Spurrier has a ring. I mean, that's that's four out of t- twelve right there because it was twelve at the time. So, I mean, that's wow. not terrible. Wow, wow, wow. That's crazy. And I mean, even looking at these, like, up until last year, like, Urban was still around. Uh, Les was still around. Les still around. Ordron still around. Coach Rick still around. Like, well, I think I mean, that's the, not a t- 
the big question there in comparison going back to 06 though is to say look at the current list and to say does it compare i don't think it does honestly i think it's just a lot of people giving their coach an chance to rebuild because Saban's built something so ridiculous that everyone's trying to build to it. Honestly think you're right there. Like it's it's one of those um and we'll touch on this in the next like little topic here, but it's one of those things where you see a lot of teams now almost playing the waiting game. Like we've got a decent coach now that our fans and our team responds to. Um why get rid of them kind of thing. And you just play the waiting game and hope you wait out saving. He doesn't seem like he's going anywhere anytime soon. I've told multiple people he's going to win championships from Bama from the great beyond. Like he's going to die and he's going to still like, they're going to prop up like a poster board of him on the sideline. He's going to (laughs) win. Oh man. I don't doubt it. But since we're talking about the waiting game, got another one for you here. The Toronto Raptors. Let's just give it up for them for a second because, as we know, uh, the East has been just dominated by one LeBron James the past eight years. Um, And even more before that, it wasn't necessarily as dominant. But, I mean, eight straight finals is just ridiculous. And um, I I applaud Toronto because, to a certain extent, they did exactly what we were talking about. They played the waiting game. They said, like, hey, listen, we've got two all-stars on our team, plus, like, a decent supporting cast. Like, but we have to beat the best player in the world right now. Like, I don't care who we got on our team. We're not beating him. And so not only did they play the waiting game and try to keep a lot of their, their cast together, but I think uh, Masai Ujiri, uh, their, their GM, like, or their owner, like the way that he operated this year was incredible because you, you trade away a guy who you know, you're going to piss off one of your two best players by trading them. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a bona fide all-star, and he was somebody who was saying, like, hey, like I'd be willing to stay in Toronto long-term. And you trade him away for a guy that you was coming off of supposedly a bad injury, and his name was kind of tainted leaving uh, San Antonio because he wasn't, like um, – interacting with the team and the team kept saying he was healthy and he was saying he wasn't. So there was a lot of like gray clouds around Kawhi. And I mean, to, to really sell out for that move, like you see where it puts them now. And not only did they do that, but the mid season trade where they got rid of Valanchunas for uh, Mark Gasol Mm -hmm. was a huge move. So like they've really done a lot of good things. Um, we bring that up because tomorrow is going to be game one yeah. of the NBA finals. Uh, wild here, but it's the first time the Warriors will play on the road game one in uh, in That's the finals insane. in their streak. Ah, man. So, Messiah Jury, like, is – so, like, I don't know if you, like, you do this, but like, you play 2K for the NBA and – 
you play like three, four seasons of my league or whatever, and you're basically running your franchise. And you can more or less, if you're smart, be a championship contender with about any team very quickly. And that's often because in a video game, when you're on your couch, you can make moves that are best for the franchise and not concerned about if the fan base hates you. Because you can trade away DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry if you need for a draft pick that turns out to be Zion. You can do all these different things that in a vacuum you should do, but nobody ever does in professional sports because they have all of these other things that they're worried about. And so for Messiah Jury to – so and I don't think you mentioned this either. They fired the coach of the year. Ah, yeah, yes. Very very important thing that I missed. They They fired Dwayne Casey. He didn't move on. It was not a mutual parting of ways, as they always like to call it in these scenarios. They fired him to get a guy that looks like a mad scientist, a Nick Nurse. Like, he looks like the biggest dork ever. They did that to get a first-year coach. Like, he's never been a head coach before. So, I mean, like, oh, for sure. But it seems like in NBA 2K, his rating and coaching might be like AA for offense, defense. But in professionals, you look at it and you like in real life, you go, okay, first year coach. That's already not good to fire a coach a year for. And just what he looks like, Dwayne Casey, like strong, big, like black man, commands respect, really good press conferences, a good coach, like objectively. Yeah. And yeah. they they hired this guy who's like looks like this tiny white nerd who would know nothing about basketball, like just optics of it poor. And he he's like, okay, that's the best decision. That's going to give us the best chance to win. I'm going to do it. I'm going to trade Demar Derozan for Kawhi Leonard, even though it's going on a one year sample size because you know because Kawhi might leave and because it's the best thing for us to have the chance to win. And and. Uh, that's just that's it a lot worked of out perfectly, that, but because it could not work out perfectly, and you get criticized. But to have the ball oh. to do that is pretty cool. Absolutely, and I think that one of the biggest things here is like, regardless of what happens this off season, like if Kawhi leaves, if he stays, whatever happens, like this move worked out for the best. Like yeah. it got your team to a place where you've never been before, and so. I think that that is that's pretty incredible. Um, I'm gonna say I'm still going Warriors in. I'll say Warriors in six as they're currently constructed. Um, mm. If KD happens to come back or Demarcus comes back, I think that it could go to five. But yeah. I'm gonna say Warriors in six right now. I think Warriors in five. It just it pains me to say that, but. They're just good. I mean, they're just too good. No, they're not good. They're one of the greatest dynasties ever, and it's really frustrating for me. But yeah, they are. I will say, I think that I think that this may be their final season. So um, it's going to be interesting we'll what KD does there, because everything like I've heard so many credible reports, like not just tabloid type stuff that says he's going to end up in New York. And, and I think one of the things people are forgetting is they keep saying, well, well, they're doing it without KD now, which is true. They 100% are. But what you're not looking at is they're not having to do it against KD. Yep. 
Like they're doing it without KD and he's on their team. So like you're not having to beat him. Like it's harder when you're doing it without him and he's on the other side lighting your ass up for 40. Like yep. that's difficult. And so I think that this is a this is a huge it's got the potential to be a huge shift in the league right now and balancing out the powers in the league coming from this offseason. Because if you get guys that like Kyrie, KD, Clay, Kawhi, who like um, spread out across the league, well, you're going to have a lot more balance going into the season next year. And it's, um, it'll be interesting. Would but, you know really quietly who is 31 years old? Is Steph Curry. Is he really? Very quietly. Like, he seems like 20, he That's seems wild. my age to me, like 26, but, you know, quietly 31. Those knees start already have some issues, and those ankles already have some issues. It's not going to get any easier again in your 30s. Yeah. You're Draymond right. is 29. Clay, I think 28, but he's a free agent too, which most people like to forget. Hasn't signed a contract. So it's going to be interesting. It, so if they win, though, the whole NBA will reset. It'll be the most popular thing again because it'll be a big soap opera, soap opera this summer as everybody decides where they're going to play. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty interested to see how that pans out. Um, I that, but that's not the only like very large and important game this week. Uh, I believe we got a soccer game. Oh man. That's coming up this week. Oh man. So okay, so just for all the listeners out there, probably mostly American, I would say probably entirely American, probably mostly college football fans or just football fans in general. There is a huge soccer game happening in Madrid, Spain on June first, this Saturday. And so I don't want to like belabor. I'm not going to give you all the analysis that you don't care about for the game in particular, but just to give you context here, it's arguably, and I've read some articles on this from some pretty objective sources, both domestically here and abroad, the biggest sporting, the the biggest yearly sporting event on the planet in terms of viewership, in terms of uh, advertisements, in terms of just importance, even. So the Super Bowl is by far that here, for sure, in America. Like, not even close. But if you're talking globally, the Champions League final, which is the kind of a year-long um, tournament throughout the year for the best teams from each leagues in Europe, kind of all play against each other in this big World Cup-like tournament that kind of happens throughout the season. And the Champions League final is, in theory the best club team in the world, which most people would objectively say are better than anything you're seeing on the World Cup because these are like that's their profession. And when a World Cup's more for pride, it's not always the best collection of players trying to win one thing. And so the Champions League final is this June first, and um I'm a lifelong I'll say lifelong since I was a kid fan of Tottenham Hotspur, a team in London in England. And they're traditionally not a very good team um, when I started rooting for them. They're, I would say, a good team. They're, I don't know how you would compare AJ from your knowledge to like American sports, like a 
like a in an SEC team, maybe like a Tennessee, not counting their '90s run, like a modern Tennessee team was what they were for a long time. Like you know, a lot of prestige. They're in the big like they're in a prestigious city, which Knoxville's not in America, but for the SEC, it's cool. In London is Tottenham Hotspur, but they're never going to win anything. They're going to get some big recruits, but they're it's never going to pan out for them. Yeah, yeah. So they actually miraculously in a couple of different crazy endings made it to this final. <laughs> Wild endings. In a scenario I couldn't imagine, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if this is the last time I get to see Tottenham in the Champions League final. And so it's ultimately all I've thought about in terms of sports for the past couple weeks. Like I've had a Tottenham flag flying on my front porch for a while. I've worn a Tottenham jersey like every day after I've come home from work for the most part. That level of commitment and fandom, which most of you could probably listening would do if your school for college football was in the championship game. And so it's this Saturday and I'm going to be disappointed for sure. Uh, we're definitely going to lose to another English team that happened to make it to the final, Liverpool. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I'm going to enjoy the event. I'm going to go to uh, the Tottenham Bar. We bought some tickets because it's kind of an, they have a max capacity at the bar. And so we're going to all work, watch together as Tottenham fans at the Nashville Bar for Tottenham. And we'll see how it goes. So, AJ, how would you describe it for someone who may be more of a traditional American background in soccer? Um, I mean, like, I would definitely say that looking at the field and the teams that were participating in uh, in the Champions League, this it would have been like a 1% chance that you picked these two teams to meet in the final. Probably smaller than 1% chance. Absolutely. Um, I would say the majority of Americans would, and probably the majority of people globally, would have Pencil pinned, sharpied uh, Barcelona into this final. One of the Spanish. Um, it's the first time in a long time Barcelona. One of Barcelona, or, Madrid, or Real Madrid's not been in it. Yeah, and so I would say that uh, the uniqueness of the matchup, uh, being that it's like two um, two European teams uh, playing, it's kind of cool. Um, I think that. You're selling yourself a little bit short because I mean, like, while on paper Liverpool's probably a better team, like you all have like done probably the unthinkable the last two rounds to get there. So it's not to say that like you couldn't do it a third time. Um But because it's like be, on a prayer, it's like we're just happy to be here. Like it's just Right, but those are the most; those are the scariest teams. Sometimes it was like equivalent in college football of two Doug Flutie hail marys in back to back games to get there. Well, it's like like Auburn for a while was looking like they weren't going to make the; they were going to be like a a thirteen seed in the tournament because they were struggling all February, and then like they got. They they got hot at the right time, and it's like, yeah, nobody predicted them to beat Tennessee in the uh, SEC championship final, but they did. Nobody predicted them to beat um, uh, Kansas, Kansas, but they did. Nobody predicted them to beat UNC, but they did. Nobody predicted them to beat Kentucky, but they did. And they're a couple flute plays away from beating Virginia. So it's like when when things are going right for your team, like that's all that matters. And so um, 
I think it'll be interesting. I'll definitely want to catch the game. Um, I'm sending you all the luck. I'm glad that you're watching it live. So I don't have to worry about spoiling it for you. <laughs> like the last couple uh, of times during the work day. Yeah. The last two were miserable because they just incredible endings. And I couldn't tell you, but um, you know, cheering for you guys hope that it turns out well, but I do think that you're taking, you're doing it the right way of saying like, I understand it's, it's almost like for, I would, I would relate that to Kentucky going to the SEC championship of football. Yeah. Like, we're probably not going to be Alabama. Like if it's this year, last year, next year, whatever, probably not going to be Alabama. But for me in my lifetime to see like the school that means so much to me play in a game that we haven't played in, in many of moons, Mm -hmm. like actually we've never played in, excuse me. Like since it's, since it's beginning in like the early nineties, we've never played an SC championship. So it's like for me to see my team playing, that would be amazing. So it's like, I don't care if they lose to Bama. I don't care if we got our doors blown off. Like, of course I would want to win, but like, I'm going to enjoy this for what it was. Now, if Kentucky basketball goes to the final four, I'm pissed if we lose <laughs> because I expect to win. It's and not that I don't, expect Kentucky football to win, but you also got to look at things in, in, you know, perspective and say like, uh, this is our first SEC, SEC tournament ever, like, or SEC championship ever. Like just enjoy it for what it was, because this is like very similar to us beating Florida. It's, it took 31 years for us to do it. So it's not like this happens all the time. So I'm going to enjoy it for what it was. Yeah, so for anybody who wants to get their introduction to that that hasn't seen it before, it's on 2 o'clock Central Time, so 3 o'clock Eastern. And I think it's on Fox, but uh, you can check your TV listing there um, in the afternoon. So a nice Saturday afternoon, kind of maybe your first drink of the day going into the weekend. So um and if you do watch and you have no affiliation, root for Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> and the lily white jerseys. Uh, so, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm glad we got to bring it up, probably only because Kevin's not here, but I'm excited nonetheless. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Um, and finally, we, we, you know, we want to, we hate to end it on a, a somber note here, but um, we did want to pay our respects and say uh, rest in peace to Rob Bramlett. Bramblett, excuse me, um, the voice of the Auburn Tigers football team. Um, you all probably, if you're a fan of um, college football, and which you probably are because you're following this podcast, uh, you very vividly remember his voice being the call of the kick six against Alabama. But um, him and his wife passed in a, in a tragic uh, accident that took place over the weekend. Um Sending a lot of love and play- prayers to the Auburn community as well as like his uh, family. Um, it's just something sad that that has taken place, and um, I know how how I get chills, how I get goosebumps, how I feel when I hear um, Tom Leach, who is the Kentucky play by play guy, some of the calls he's made over years, um, and just to know like um a like that person's not around anymore maybe it's somebody i i mean um what's my man's name from ut uh john john ward like i grew up 
I grew up listening to him, you know, like give him six. Like that's what I grew up listening to. It's just so, um, you know, you kind of, that's a part of you. That's a part of like your, that's a part of your story of why you cheer for who you cheer for. And so like, I know it's, it's extremely tough for that community. Um, and we definitely wanted to pay our respects, uh, for that. And, um, all of a sudden, uh, we're thinking about them, and uh, it's truly a sad story. But um, I know that his memory will forever live on because he has one of the most incredible calls I've ever heard uh, mm-hmm. for one of the most incredible plays I've ever seen. I, I, absolutely, and I think it's an understated ability. Those radio, not actually all radio play-by-play people, the great ones who can. Mm-hmm. paint a visual picture with words in real time that captures your emotions as somebody listening. And it's a distinct ability to where like if you normally, and probably everybody that's listening could relate to this. If you find one of those people you can relate to that connects with you in that emotional way that can paint a great picture, it almost makes like the television broadcast like seem really just terrible every time you watch it. Because you you don't get that same capture of emotion that you do with your guy painting the picture for you as you are as a fan. And so it's a gift um, that I think is uh, underestimated in probably even society in general as, as we get into like the 21st century and the television age and all that stuff. So um, as AJ said, just there's no way to word it any differently. It's just incredibly sad, but um, definitely prayers out to the entire Bramlett family or anyone close to uh, either he or his wife who passed away. And so um, we're not at, this is not an sec podcast, but it has a lot of sec ties. And so the sec, um, as I'm sure many of you are aware, tends to stick together in the South for each other. Um, and even college football in general is just a general community uh, is really incredible about give both giving back and respect for rivals and opposing fans and all that stuff. So I uh, want to give all the both respect that's deserved and just prayers and support for that whole family. Absolutely. And so um, with that, we'll close it as a, another fine episode of the peace of mind podcast. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Um, wanted to call out a point that I did not release, um, the, the, um, I did not release the things for the raffle or for the giveaway. Um, that was on purpose. We are waiting, uh, trying to get you guys additional bottles to send out. Um, so once those are in, uh, we're going to then release all the criteria for the giveaway and hope that you all will participate so keep an out, uh, ear out for that. Um, hopefully, next time you hear from us, we'll have Kev back, um, exhausted from his trip, but ready to roll. And we're going to start getting into a little bit more just college football-focused um, things as we get into the summer. Um, as always, thank you all for listening. Please, please, please um, rate, review, and subscribe um, to us on Apple Podcasts on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts at. Um, it would do us wonders if you um, left comments, left reviews for us at a five-star rating. Um, but 
any feedback is great feedback and we'd love to have that. So um, if you love the show, if you hate the show, give us something. Uh, if you got family and friends that want to leave comments, let us know. But uh, we definitely appreciate your support. Uh, thank you all for listening to the show and we'll catch you next week. All right, here we go. 56 yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the